Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to our episode today. We are excited to talk about respect in relationships. All of us have relationships, and I guess unless you're that guy on a deserted island, and if that's you, thanks for listening. We we appreciate you listening to our episode on a deserted island. Please download our episodes and leave us a review. We will take that as a call for help and send help immediately. But all of us have relationships that we care about, and all of us care about being respected and respecting other people in relationships. But not all of us think as deeply about respect in relationships as maybe you might think. And so we want to talk about respect inside of relationships in a couple of parts. Today we'll talk about fear. The next episode we'll talk about love, respect that's operating out of love, because all of us want to connect and get what we want. We are going to show you an unsuccessful way to do that today, and the next episode we'll show you a more successful way of doing that. We hope that also, as you're listening, maybe this resonates with you, and it'll show you what you've been doing, but you didn't realize it. Or maybe, as you're listening, you want a better connection in your relationships, but you don't know what you're doing wrong to get it. Hopefully, this will highlight that for you and give you some clarity. We also hope that in this episode, you'll learn that there is a long-term cost to people fearing us that is probably larger than you think. And we also want you to learn why this form of relating to people is so destructive. So in this episode about relationships operating with respect out of fear, we are going to talk about what is that? What does it look like in peer relationships, like with your friends, your spouse, that kind of thing? What does it look like in authority relationships where somebody's got kind of more power than the other person, like in parenting or like a managerial relationship at work? And then how to let go of that fear and operate within respect out of love, which will kind of tie into the next episode. So, Nathan, let's go ahead and get started. Yes, indeed, sir. This is going to be fun. You know, I don't think, you know, you just mentioned that people don't necessarily know how much that they are maybe even participating in this. And I think that's totally true because we've talked about fear before. We've talked about the fear triangle, which lasts like five episodes. Um, The difference with this is that when you're trying to express yourself or you're trying to, for example, as a parent, you're trying to keep your kids safe. Oftentimes, if you don't have, you know, enough skill, for example, there's, there's things that you may not know how to communicate yourself. What happens is you just get louder and louder and you yell louder and louder. And um, for kids that are younger, they'll respond to that. The older ones don't do that as well. So <laughs> that's just as one example. They might just yell back. <laughs> yeah, like um, rip off your arms and beat you with them. <laughs> that would be bad. But so what we thought was, you know, there's things that you get from actually governing in fear, though. 
And look at the military. I mean, the military's like, look, you can either die or obey us. We do not care how you listen. We are coming right after you. And so what the military gets is forced obedience and compliance. You're going to comply because you're too afraid not to, essentially. Um, and that's kind of the same thing you get with people if you try to just communicate yourself briskly, brusquely, and essentially don't care what they think. So the other thing is that we do get the behavior that we expect to get. You know, like when you're governing in fear, you can just totally, I keep going back to yelling, but um, that type of thing, you will get the behavior that you expect to get. But you start getting stuff that you don't want, essentially. You start getting people, and, and maybe you haven't thought about this, but people might be nervous to be around you. They might walk on eggshells around you. Um, they might avoid you. And you could be in a great mood, and you wonder, like, you know, you go into the room like, hey, how's everybody doing? And everybody's just like looking at you, not sure exactly where this is going to go, and skeptical. And then, in all irony, that actually can make you irritable. And then it happens just like they thought, which is like, I knew it. This isn't going to be a good thing. This is a bad deal. And then people scatter. And then the other thing that you get, so people naturally avoid you, right? Uh, the other thing is that people start hiding their true self. They will just not really talk about what goes on inside their own mind. And here's the thing is that actually the whole reason why you're trying to get somebody to obey or to, to, to get to you to do something that you, that you want to do or that you feel needs to be done is because you're, you're doing it for the greater, the greaterness of them ultimately, right? You want to keep them safe. You want to be like, if it's kiddo, you want to build them into a good human. If it's not a kid and it's a friend of yours, you're just trying to like um, echo what you believe is good humanity. And the reality, though, is that they're hiding their true selves. They don't trust you with who they are. So they're not going to talk about that, which means that you are kind of interacting and connecting with them a bit in a vacuum. Yeah, Nathan, that's really good. I think probably as I'm listening to that, I know a lot of people can relate to that. And that's exactly what we were hoping here is that maybe some of that kind of resonates with you of like, yeah, I've kind of seen this in this relationship, or I've been that way in that relationship. I want to break that down a bit more. I think that's a really good overview. And I want to, I guess, to me, it's like pop open the hood and look at like, what's really going on. So when we talk about respect in a relationship that's operating out of fear. Fear is like the, the component here. And the respect is like, I want you to respect me because I'm afraid that if you don't respect me, then something bad is going to happen. I mean, w ultimately, what's really going on under the hood that's causing somebody to behave like this? Because I mean, it, as you listen to it, it seems kind of obvious, like, well, why would anybody be this way? But actually, a lot of us are. So what's really going on that would cause somebody to just yell or yell louder or to be more emphatic or whatever they're doing to get this kind of respect? What's the fear all about? Yeah, well, I think one thing, first of all, is that um, just to highlight this is that we're really talking about fear being used as a tool. Um, it's like an object. And there is a division a bit in our culture around that of like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. Just do it. You know, like I use the military example. And um, there's dads out there listening to this going like, so far, I don't totally see the problem. Probably the avoidance thing. Probably, I probably don't want that ultimately, but they're going to get old and I'd rather make sure they're not in jail. Yeah, it's like that public <laughs> shaming thing. I, I've, I've heard a conversation uh, recently between a couple of people. Somebody was talking about the idea of public shaming being a good thing. 
and then other people saying, no, shaming someone else in general just is a bad thing, you know, for an individual. So it's kind of that same idea, like you're using fear as a weapon. Right. And I think part of the issue is, is that if you look under the hood, as you were talking about it, you have to look at yourself. So if you're the one that's using fear as a tool, I would ask you, why? What's the benefit to you? I mean, the benefit I can see up front is that you're going to get compliance and obedience. Okay. So now what? I mean, you're getting the behavior you want, um, but you're not getting humanity back. So, yeah, as you're saying that, I'm, I, I'm listening to this as the other person that is doing the behavior. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is the behavior I want done. What's wrong with that? Why is that bad? It's, um, how would I say this? It is in the moment. You are getting a behavior in the moment. So it's like a short-term gain, but a long-term loss? Yeah, what you're getting is you're setting a culture where the person is conditionally being a certain way with you. They're not doing it because they care about you. They're doing it because they are afraid of you. So in light of that, you've got to look at like, because ultimately I know that you don't want to be, nobody wants somebody to be afraid of them. Some of you have just made these agreements with yourself that it's like a necessary evil, so to speak, like, well, I guess it's okay. And, but if you look at it, underneath the hood, why do, why do you need, what, what are you going for? What do you want? Because ultimately my hunch is that you, you do love this person. Um, and if it's a kiddo, you certainly do. And you want to be connected to them. And maybe you don't know how. So what's the difference between a healthy version of fear or a healthy level of fear? You know, it's like, I, I want you to, you know, fear the authorities because they can hold you accountable in the ways that they ought to versus an unhealthy version of fear. Like you're afraid of me. Like I can't even open up or say anything with you. I think the big, the big thing is around um, how that fear works. So from a consequential standpoint, I mean, people ultimately want to be free. People want freedom. And so the reality is, is that when you're telling them you're going to take their freedom away, unless they do X, Y, Z, um, they'll probably respond to that. And to be honest, you can do that without fear. Um, and so if you teach your kids, for example, over time, that there is authority over them, and they start to realize how that works, then they will <laughs> consequentially try to navigate that in a different way. Basically start playing the game and getting good at it. <laughs> right, that's right. So, and, and I would just say on the side note, as far as like, there's an implication here where this can go around the justice system and, and the broken system that we do have. And there, there is some truth to that. So I don't want to, I don't want to be kind of pie in the sky and this all works out totally perfect type of thing. Cause there's chinks armor of authority. But the problem is, is that what you do want is you want people to trust you and you want people to be honest with you. And you will know that if you're, if you're connecting with them out of fear, they're not going to be honest with you and they're not going to completely trust you and you'll know it. And then your response is going to be to double down on your fear, to make, to make them like do this, but you're never going to get it because they're too afraid to share it. Yeah, that's really helpful. I, I think we'll probably get into this a lot more in the next episode when we talk about respect in relationships that are coming from a place of love, because I think, you know, this is getting at the healthy version when you are connected in a healthier way and 
coming from love, there is that good sense of fear. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Not like I'm afraid of hurting you. Like you're going to beat me if I hurt you or you're going to yell at me if I hurt you, but more like I care about you and I don't want to hurt you. It's like this different kind of a fear. Let's look at this as we break it down a little bit more. Um, what does this look like in peer relationships? So I mentioned at the beginning that we would break this into a couple, you know, one where it's like this shared power sense, because I think that's, that looks different. And then one where you have this power over where there's an authority in the relationship, like with parents over children or bosses with their employees. So let's look at what does it look like in peer relationships from their point of view? What is somebody doing? Um, what are they saying, you know, uh, kind of as you talked about from the outset, you know, yelling or trying to get the compliance from a child, but we're looking at from a peer relationship standpoint, friends, spouses, how does that actually work? I think, um, the biggest thing is editing people just, they edit and they, they change. Uh, we, we know what we, you know, that we talked about the fear triangle, right? So what ends up happening is, is you get um, people moving based in how they f- they're going to feel like they belong to you and how they feel like they are accepted by you. So um, if they feel like if they don't say what you want to hear, that you, they're going to get a bad reaction from you, whatever that means, um, they, they're going to edit how they feel. They're going to edit what they say. And, and then what happens is you naturally have this inauthenticity and then people conditionally sharing themselves with you. It's not, there's no, there's not an openness about that. Yeah. And that becomes problematic because on the other side here, and, and this is actually really helpful because we've got a microphone between us. And so Thank I'm, God. I'm <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we'd be way too close. And you're, you're talking about this from one side of the mic, and I'm talking about it from the other side. So it's, it really is like you were the person um, operating out of fear or that's holding something, withholding something from me. As I'm experiencing that, I can, I can tell, I can sense that. If we're connected at all, if we're in the same family or if we're friends or if we're spouses, I, can, I know you well enough to know that you're not giving me the full truth. And that is exacerbating my fear. I would, I could take that fear and even magnify it because I'm like, why are you just saying that? Okay, so it's not just doing the right thing, you know, like, okay, sure, fine. But I'm like, why do you have that attitude? Right. Yeah. So it, it speaks to one of the consequences of, of respect through fear is a shallow connection. So this idea of, not being able to quite be close and a constant, maybe not even constant, but maybe regular um, and consistent skepticism. Like, yeah, you know, you have people in your life, for example, that you, you know, you might ask, um, you might ask questions about and what you've learned is that they're yes people. They're going to say yes to whatever you ask. They have no interpersonal boundary. So then what happens is, is you start not trusting them because you don't know you don't really believe that they actually want to do anything at all because they literally never say no. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person that's like, oh man, I do say yes a lot. I wonder if people think that about me. And I can say people probably do. They, they, um, they're, they, because they worry about you. They worry like, man, I don't know if this person would say no. Um, and so they do edit themselves around you. So this relationship is moving in fear from a different, a different standpoint because people are respecting 
uh, the fact that, that fear is now the currency of the relationship. Yeah, and as you're, as you're talking about this yes-no idea, I think that's really helpful. Even as you say currency, I'm thinking if all I'm getting is the positive, it's just nothing but deposits, 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 meaning you're saying yes, yes, yes to everything, I kind of get suspicious of that if I'm on the other side. If I'm the person that's operating out of fear and kind of demanding respect in the way that we're talking about in this episode, if you're always saying yes, I'm like, well, do you have an idea that's original to yourself? Or what do you think about this? Like when I actually want openness, because I've conditioned you to just comply or obey, there's not space for you to be open and share that stuff because you're afraid of like, oh, what if it's the wrong thing? What if it's not what you want? I'm assuming that's what you're probably thinking. But I I can imagine that getting all of these yeses from you, even though that might be in a sense what you said in the moment, what I want, I want you to comply. In the long run, I actually want openness with you. So I'm actually working against myself. So when I really do want that openness, I'm like, hey, what do you actually think about this? What do you want to do? I, I've set myself up to fail because I've conditioned you, the other person, to not be open, but now I want openness. Right. And, it's, and it also can be very manipulative. Um, it, it seems like the skepticism of interaction, you know, to where you're thinking like, I don't know if this person really is, actually wants to do this or not. Um, they're also potentially manipulating the situation just to get, just to get you to stop talking. You know, like they don't, it's like, do you want to have this conversation? I mean, are we like, you know, and maybe, maybe that's you and you're like, man, I am overwhelmed. It's it's easier just to say, like, I feel like everybody's asking me things all the time. And quite frankly, it's easier just to say yes. Um, because I don't know how to say no. And so you've got kind of that way that, that fear can be a currency. You know, the other way is that you just say no all the time. You know, and people think, man, he just doesn't want to do anything. I mean, and so what happens is people don't ask you to do anything and you, and you end up being a bit more isolated. And I would tell you that if, if you're a person out there that's feeling like a bit isolated, um, and it's, and it's not pandemic related. Or the guy on the deserted island listening to our podcast. (laughs) Right. Remember to click like, stay connected, little buddy. We'll help you out. <laughs> stay, stay connected while you're wasting away. Uh, Tom Hanks on the dessert island. Yeah. Wilson. Anyway, um, sorry. And we digress significantly. So, um, but maybe you're the person that's kind of isolated a bit. And I would, I would challenge you to consider like, how often do you say no? How much do you, um, and, that, and that's a fear-based place to a lot of, to, to probably... If you're saying no most of the time, it probably is fear-based because, and, and, and you need to ask yourself, why do I do that? Do I not want to be with these people? Am I nervous about where that's going to go? Some of, you, some of you that do that have social anxiety. You don't necessarily want to be around, but anxiety, that's all fear-related. And you know you want to, you don't, you don't like that. You know what? Desensitization, baby. Get out there. Try some stuff. Yeah. Desensitization is this, uh, this form of therapy that's basically about exposing yourself to something that is stressful to you. I always think of uh, the idea of spiders. I hate spiders. Um, I've learned to be able to uh, tolerate killing them in my house. Um, But it's funny, I was walking by one on the road the other day and I stopped and it was just on the concrete outside and I was like, I still want to kill it, (laughs) even though it's outside. Um, But the exposure idea is about like, okay, first you think of a spider. 
you're kind of desensitized to the idea. And then you might look at a picture of a spider. And then you might see one, um, like a video of a spider that's actually moving around. And then maybe you go to, you know, outside and you find one, you just look at it from a, a distance. And then maybe eventually you get close and you touch it. And then you have it run on your hand or whatever. It, that idea of like progressively getting more exposed to something helps you to become more desensitized to it so that you're not reacting the same way uh, as you usually would because you're more familiar and more comfortable with those feelings. Right. So, so I'm challenging you a bit here to if, if you are that person, um, probably you're going to need to start saying yes. And maybe what you need to do is kind of figure out what would be the easiest thing that I could say yes to just to start. Um, because ultimately as people, we're social, we're social people and we need to be connected. So, which is entirely why we're talking about this. And that's kind of a weird irony that like, we're so desperate to be connected that we experience the fear and then we use that as the currency to connect. And, uh, that does not work. Um, it, it just won't work. You end up with people lying to you. Um, and then you end up at, with you're doing with children, you end up in a whole different situation. Yeah, to say that actually in the reverse way, um, that can make a lot of sense as well. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning that you are afraid of disconnection. And so then you can use a fear-based like reaction or a defense mechanism to prevent against disconnection. But that fear-based action that you're doing actually creates the thing you don't want. So you're afraid of disconnection, so you use a fear-based, you know, action to protect against it, and that produces disconnection. Yeah, so you're, so you're afraid of being out there with people. So you avoid people, and then you're alone. Because nobody calls you. <laughs> right, then you're like, oh, I guess this, this is a thing. Again, poor little buddy, just click like, and <laughs> that's right. you can still be active. <laughs> the other example I think that's really common that people use, it's like uh, rejecting somebody or breaking up with somebody before they break up with you. I think that's like a classic idea. Like if you're dating somebody and you don't want to get broken up with, or you have heard through the grapevine that, you know, the other person is going to break up with you, or maybe you're just observing their behaviors and you're like, oh no. I'm so afraid of, of, you know, getting dumped that um, everything that I see is like, oh, maybe she's going to break up with me. And so I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make it easier by breaking it up, uh, breaking up with her first or like doing things to make her, you know, not like me so that I can make it easy to break up with her or whatever. It's like, wait, you don't actually want that. You don't want to be broken up with. You don't want to get hurt and you're scared of getting hurt. So why don't you just deal with the issue or do the things that you need to do to be more connected or to deal with the issues to overcome them so that you can stay connected? That's like the whole idea of fear that we're talking about here is that it propels you to do these things that, that actually don't make any sense in terms of being connected or staying connected to the other person. Yeah, it's just, it's just not how we actually were designed to operate. And if you look at, um, it's funny, you mentioned the example about the, the breaking up ahead of time. So I will tell you that classically, well, you know, we've, I referenced the fear triangle a few times here. The, the persecutor is classic with that. The rescuer is more classic for not getting started at all. Um, the rescuer just won't ask ever to be in the relationship because of the fear of rejection, right? But the fear of abandonment on the persecution side, um, when you're in there, you're like, oh, okay, you're gonna, you could leave me. You know what? 
no, you won't. I'm going to leave you. And so anyway, just kind of a little harken back to the fear triangle just kind of speaks to how that works. Yeah. So let's keep going with this. We've talked about what it looks like in peer relationships. I know you've mentioned Nathan a couple of times in parenting relationships. We can also look at this um, from a like a, a boss employee relationship standpoint, which is actually going to be a little bit different, I think, because there is some fear that is that's different there. Like it's the relationship is not the primary thing going on. It's doing a job or a task. Um, but what does it look like? For from the point of view of somebody like if you are the parent um, operating with your child or if you're the boss operating with your employee, how are you how are you navigating these relationships with this other person, your child, children or with your employees in a way that is sort of commanding respect? I guess when I think about it, it's it's when you're operating out of fear, it's like it really is not an option. You have to respect me. What does that look like? What kinds of behaviors and what's going on kind of behind the scenes when I'm seeing my employees operate or when when I'm seeing my children do whatever it is that they're doing as children? Why am I reacting the ways that I am out of fear? I want to circle back to answer that just because I want to I want to keep the catch you back into the flow here. So starting off, there's kind of a list of characteristics that, that we began to talk about. And they do flow through so you can kind of catch the, catch the flavor. So first, what we get from people fearing us is forced obedience and compliance. And we get the behavior we're expecting to get. Then we get people nervous to be around us. Then they avoid us. Then these other folks will hide their true self. And then they might opportunistically lie, like, you know, based on what's going on in the situation, some dishonesty. They, you, you end up with a shallow interpersonal connection. And then that fear transfers to all authority in general. And then the transfer of lying opportunistically also transfers across humanity in general. And this would be like mainly with the development of kids. But um, so now you have an employee that is fear-based. They are probably not going to bring things up with you. They are not going to, to share what's actually on their mind and heart, which depending on your, the job that they're in, could be, could be actually pretty dangerous. So now what's happening is, is as you are there with them, to whatever extent that you decide in a fear-based way to like make them tell you things or get something out of them, then you end up with a whole different set of things. Yeah, you can even be like so passionate or emphatic about having this employee be open with you that like we're describing like, hey, I, I don't want you to keep anything from me. You need to tell me if you've got any issues, let me know because I need to know them so we can deal with them. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. No problem. I'm fine. I got not have any issues at all. <laughs> Great. Glad we can be so open. Yeah. Um, thanks for the talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably something like that. But if you, if you're wanting in some of this, actually, if you, if you do are a business owner, you might want to kind of reflect on this a little bit as to how you're coming across. If you, if you happen to have an employee, for example, that is um, a bit more fear-based, they probably, they probably won't talk. And uh, granted, there's different personality types. I'm, you know, <laughs> we're not going to say everybody's running around afraid here. But the signs would be like kind of you not necessarily trusting that you are getting, getting everything from, like, from them. They might be like they're saying yes all the time. Yeah, they could be doing that because they're the employee. But it could be other reasons. 
Yeah, when when I do some consulting, uh, I talk with other business owners about how they are operating with their employees. And sometimes it's just simply that, you know, you mentioned the personality thing, that they're more fact-based or they're just more, you know, informational, problem-solving types, maybe more left brain. And so as they're supervising or managing their employees, they're coming from that standpoint. I want you to be open, but the way I go about that is just kind of very matter-of-fact, and that can come across very cold. I can say the words I want you know, I want you to feel comfortable here. I want us to have a good relationship. I want you to tell me if anything is going wrong. But then I'm just like very quick, like, hey, how's it going? Did you get that project done? Great. Um, do, you, do you have any issues? Anything you need me to solve? Um, nope. Great. Okay. When are, when's our next scheduled meeting? This date? At this time? Great. I'll send you the link. Um, it's like that, if that is the bulk of our relationship, as a listener, as an employee, it doesn't really feel like the other person really is open to that kind of more soft skill side of things. You know, if that's you, you're like, well, I mean, my manager is a nice person, but man, they're just, they just don't really seem like they have a heart or they just seem to care more about solving problems or getting things done. They don't really want to hear my, my concerns or my feelings about my job or whatever, any of my struggles. And so you might actually withhold that. Well, right there, that might just be a sort of a personality thing that's coming across um, because of potentially you uh, having a fear of being soft or being weak or being emotional or being, I don't know, frou-frou-y, however you want to think about it. Um, it can be somewhat personality and it can certainly also be part of that personality thing is a fear of this, that softer side. Yeah. Um, you know, objectivity, just being simply objective can come across as cold. And one of the things that uh, one of our previous interviewees, Randy Kennison, would talked about is that people quit their boss. They do not quit their job. And I will <laughs> challenge you employers out there that are like, look, we just, need to, we just need to get a job done. I mean, at the end of the day, okay, how many times would you like to train new employees? How much do you want to do that? And how much money do you want to spend on all of that, like retraining, rehiring, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, super frustrating. And with me, on the other hand, as an employer, I, 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 I don't know how this is going to sound, but I love my employees, man. That's a boundary <laughs> issue right there. <laughs> right. So I don't want to lose them. So sometimes I get stuck in the fear of not saying things and not managing well. Because I'm nervous of how it's going to come across because I would rather err on the side of them, quite frankly, getting what they want. And um, that can be dangerous from a management perspective because if I don't, I'm the only one that can manage it. If I don't do that, we're in a ship going nowhere or in circles or that's like busted up with holes in it and everybody sinks, including them. Yeah, and I, I think it might be easy to see the transfer over to like parenting relationships as well as we're talking about this um, before we move into how we can help you let go of fear. But if you're getting this like forced compliance, obedience, or you're just operating from the standpoint of like, here's, I'm just really focused on getting the job done. If you're managing your children the same way and you're not being open to what their experiences are or what their feelings are or what they're thinking, and just really genuinely having openness about that. It can come across as all you really want and care about is for them to do this and do this and do this, get the grades, clean up their room, take a shower, get up on time, all that kind of stuff. Um, and 
we want to help you in the next episode see a different way. You know, this was the unsuccessful method of going about relationships. The next episode will be more of a successful one. So let's talk about uh, some ideas of how we can help our listeners to let go of this fear. You were talking earlier about challenging yourself. Um, I don't remember what that was. You were talking earlier. You were talking earlier about challenging yourself with desensitization to expose yourself to things little by little, like, for example, saying yes to something. I think there's another way that you can do that as well if you're like on the employer side or if you're on the, the side where you're afraid of something happening or afraid of addressing an issue with somebody. I always like to name the fear and say, what is it that I'm afraid will happen? And sometimes you need to take that multiple layers. So if you say, I'm afraid that this will happen, okay, and then what? Well, if this happens, well then, you know, B will happen, okay, and then what? Well, if B happens, then C for sure is going to happen. Okay, and what's so bad about that? Usually when I lay it out like that, it's like, yeah, that is kind of scary or that would be tough, but I can, I can see it for what it is now and I can deal with it. And in reality, most of the time, it's really not as bad as you're making it, making it out to be in your head. You can actually have way more fear in your head than what's in reality. So part of that, um, something you can do to let go of that fear is just to name it, to identify it. And then also maybe to put it out there, to say to somebody, um, hey, uh, like if it's an employee, for example, I'm just thinking like, how's it going? Do you have any issues? Um, anything you're concerned about? Hey, are you getting enough hours? Or hey, do you feel like you're getting paid enough for the job that you're doing? Because you might be afraid that they're going to leave because they're not getting paid enough. Well, let's just talk about it. And maybe they'll say, yeah, I mean, I wish I could get paid more somewhere else or whatever, but I really like the environment here. I think the thing that I'm really struggling with is, you know, you're always out of coffee and like, <laughs> that's important to me. It's just some little thing that's like, oh, so there is a concern, but there's this other issue that I can actually probably address. And if I addressed it, that concern might go away or at least get smaller. So challenge your, I guess what I'm saying is the thing you can do is to challenge yourself to address something small and see if your fear actually comes true or see if the fear really does come true. Was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? Well, also, and is it, is it uh, even logical? Like when you, when you actually first break it down, and you start to realize that you could also realize like, oh, that's not really, I don't really care about that. Um, what I would challenge you to do, uh, not switching gears at all, but just for a different flavor, is we, we really, what we're really honestly afraid of most of the time is that we're not going to get our needs met. We're trying to calculate and manipulate our needs getting met. So if you can look inside yourself for just a minute, some of you just uh, verped. Like, you know, like, great, this therapy crap. You're like looking inside. You know? <laughs> how do you feel about what Nathan just said right there? How do you feel about Aaron asking you about how you feel about what I said? <laughs> Welcome to a therapist conversation that I hate. Um, <laughs> sorry. So anyway, um, take a chance and look inside and just kind of go like, what do I, what am I hoping for? What do I need? Like, for example, so with, as a parent, you love your kids. You need them. You, you have a behavior that you're hoping for. And you state it. You, you, try, you, know, you try to correct for this behavior. And they don't do it. And so maybe you get louder. And you've realized, oh, no, I just listened to that podcast and I'm doing it right now. 
So you would go, okay, what am I, what am I trying to get with that behavior? What am I ultimately, what am I hoping for? And then you can kind of run down the road to know, well, ultimately my belief, I guess, is that if they don't do that, um, if they, then they're going to be essentially, you know, maybe bad people down the road. And then you can look at it and go, really? So if they don't take the garbage out in this instant, they're going to be horrible people for the rest of their life. <laughs> it all hinges on this right now. <laughs> right. So, so then you can take a step back and go, well, that's probably not, that's probably not true. Um, although garbage is important, we can't live with that in our house. Um, so anyway, um, that's the kind of thing that I guess that I'm saying to do is to take a look inside. The other side of that look is to, is to honor your own desire. Like, what do you, what do you actually want? Some of you don't even say that ever. You don't even communicate it because you're nervous that it's not going to get received. Or maybe even you don't even know what you want or what you need because nobody ever helped you identify that. Or maybe you're just so afraid of sharing it that you hide it from yourself. But as you learn to say it and share it more and more, you like gain more access to what you want and what you need. So it just becomes easier. Like it's on the surface. It's like this box that you leave out or you leave on the counter because I'm always pulling from it. Right. As you start to, as you start to actually vocalize or to get out there, what your need is, and then, or what you want, what your desire is, you start, you start doing something like that and then realize, uh, well, it's not really totally that I actually don't enjoy that as much as I thought, but then you find out what you actually do enjoy and then you can repeat that. So these are just some ways to kind of look inside and also some ways to kind of calculate ahead of time, what it is that you, how you're responding and make it a bit more known to yourself up front so you can kind of see what it is that you're doing. Yeah, we hope that this episode really um, broke that down kind of from the respect issue in relationships from a fear standpoint. And we've talked about fear a lot and, and we want to talk about fear because it's a, it's a very common human experience and it's a, it's a huge struggle for all of us. This is not a sales pitch. We really have put a lot of effort into this email course on our website what we're really talking about when we're talking about fear is something that's inside of you. It's really easy to say, oh, I'm afraid of the other person saying this, or I'm afraid of that happening that's outside of me. But hopefully from this episode, you can see very clearly that the fear is inside of you. It's in you, and that's what needs to be operated on. We put together a, uh, an email course that's completely free. You can subscribe to that on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course. And get on that course and we'll email you automatically like once a week with a little, like a little agenda and then something really practical you can do to work on this fear. And the fear is not going to just be in relationships. It's going to be in all over the place, like about yourself, about other people, public settings, you know, what your identity, all that kind of stuff. I think it's just really important as you deal with one part of the fear to deal with multiple parts. Because once you start pulling that thread, the sweater comes undone. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to talk about relationships where there is respect that operates from love. So it's going to be kind of a follow-up to this in a successful way. Yeah, we really hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at 
www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.